0: Welcome to Wisdom Today. My name is Bill Kelly, and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we will be exploring the book of Proverbs. Open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for anyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you give them ears to hear and a heart to receive everything you have in store for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Proverbs 16, beginning in verse 1. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. The Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Divination is on the lips of the king. His mouth must not transgress in judgment. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him who speaks what is right. As messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. In the light of the king's face is life, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain." How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly, than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The person who labors labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips... And brings about evil. The silver-haired man is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord." Friends, I have a special treat for you today. I have Grace Youngson, a fellow second-year Karis Bible College student. And Grace, I'd like to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast.
0: Well, Grace, we just finished Proverbs 16, and there's a number of verses we could go over. But which one specifically spoke to you today? And tell the audience why.
1: That's a very difficult question because several spoke to me. Um, but I think that I'm going to hone in on verse 20. I feel that's the verse God wants me to hone in on. And especially the part which says, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. And that is maybe somewhat simple to some people. Um, but I think that trusting in the Lord is can be hard sometimes and is actually a big subject. And for me something that God's really taught me about trusting in him is that trust equals surrender of everything. And to be able to do that, you have to believe that God loves you and that he has the best for you. But the awesome thing then is the result of that trust is happiness and joy. And I think a lot of times, sometimes things are presented in a way where it's like, oh, you have to give this thing that you love over to God. And now you're going to have to like suffer through life without it or something. And life's going to be worse because you won't uh, be able to do that thing or have that thing anymore. But actually the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment comes from trusting God and from surrendering everything and from living that life that's fully focused on him and um, so that really speaks to me, and, and as we maybe talk a little bit more, as you ask me questions, I can expand a little more on that and how it's played out in my life, too. So, yes.
0: Well, that's really good, Grace, and, and thank you for that. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is the same thing. Trust in the Lord mm. with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and He will um, direct your paths. God is so good, Grace, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have an audience here, and they do not know who you are. If you would, go back to your early childhood and tell us some of your fondest memories growing up.
1: Okay. Um, So, as people may be able to already tell, I'm not American. I'm British. Um, So, I was born in Wales. Uh, I was born in Newport, which is a town in Wales. I didn't live there for very long. Uh, My parents moved to Southeast England, Kent, uh, when I was about one and a half, two years old, Um, moved there. And um, they moved there because they felt like God wanted them to move there to put me into a Christian school there. So um, went there, enjoyed school. um, And then when I was about 10 years old, my parents felt like God was calling them back to Wales. So we moved back to Wales. Um, which was a big move, and by that time I had a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, And so I'm 10 years old, moved back to Wales, and um, went to a Christian school for a little bit there, and then uh, my parents actually made the decision to homeschool. So I was homeschooled from the age of 12 until I finished school, and honestly, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, um, because... It enabled me to become very, very focused on God and not distracted by what other people were doing, um, not being dragged down paths that were, you know, not good. Um, and so, I, I just loved being homeschooled, um, and and that's partly to do with my personality as well. I can work well by myself and um, focus. Um, but the amazing thing about that and to touch on some favorite memories. Um, so when I was 12 years old, I heard, I can't remember who it was, but some preachers say that we have a purpose um, because I was brought up in a Christian home um, at the age of, gosh, I think it was like four or five years old. I got saved. Um, my mom led me to Jesus one time just sitting on her bed in her room and uh, I was asking more about Jesus because I had been in Sunday school and so my mom was like yeah you know you can have him live on the inside of you and so um, I wanted that and um, prayed the prayer and then I was also like speaking in tongues not long after that my mom she loves praying in tongues and like marches around the house praying in tongues all the time Uh, That's a memory from when I was younger, and I would, like, follow her around the house, like, praying in tongues, (laughs) like a mini-mom. So when I was 12, I heard this preacher say, you have a purpose. And, like, that got me. I was like, wow, I want to know what my purpose is. And all through my teen years, I was super focused on discovering that, to the point where it was like, if I don't know what I'm called to do, I'm never going to be happy in life. And, uh, so at 12 years old, my career plan was to become a vet. I loved animals, did a lot of different things with animals. Um, and so that was what I was thinking. But then I just felt like as I was seeking God on it, and I encourage people who are young as well, like you can seek God for your purpose at a young age. You don't have to be older to know that. So just seeking God. And I, was like, just feeling like vet is not what he wants me to do. So when I was 15, I just, for some reason, I don't really know exactly why I did this, but I entered a public speaking competition. Just, I just felt attracted to it. And it was actually part of being homeschooled. It was an opportunity that I was given with this, um, this group. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to enter this competition, and you had to, it was a Christian competition, so it was basically like giving a sermon, and you had to prepare a five-minute message, all your own work, and then give it, and I spoke on, like, God has a purpose for you, and, uh, it was the most fun I'd ever had, like, I loved speaking, and it was so cool, and I didn't know, like, whether I was good at speaking or not, I just really enjoyed it, and, um, I ended up placing first in the competition, which to me was a huge shock. I was like, what? Okay. I had like discovered something that I didn't fully know was inside me. I had always enjoyed like doing um, oral reports in school and stuff, but I didn't necessarily. Anyway, so that experience, and then I watched this movie called Amazing Grace, um, which is all about how William Wilberforce led the movement to abolish the slave trade in Britain back the 17th 18th century um well 18th century and watch that movie and just a few other things really impacted me and I just felt like God was calling me into more of like a political realm um, and to be a voice for the voiceless Um, So those are some of my favorite memories growing up too, doing the public speaking competition. Um, And honestly, I was super blessed to have an amazing childhood with awesome parents who always brought me back to my identity in Christ. Um, And I'm just very grateful to the grace of God for keeping me on the straight and narrow path growing up. Um, And yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, Grace, that is so good. And, you know, so many people in America, you know, they, they they think they're doing their kid a service, and they think they're doing the right thing. And and I know, I've heard a lot of parents say this, is, and they encourage their child to do anything that they want to do. And I'm glad that you brought that up, because God does have a purpose for every single person listening to this podcast today. And instead of, looking at, you know, what it is that you want to do. What you should do is seek God and ask God what He would like for you to do. But Grace, I I truly believe this. In Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I really believe, Grace, that if you really want to serve God, God is going to put things in your heart that you're passionate about. And what you're passionate about, that is what I believe you are to be doing. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I actually think that passion is huge. Um, in fact, <clears throat> when I entered the public speaking competition, and I actually entered it three or four years in a row, um, and I had a friend, and uh, she was competing against me. We were friends. It was It was fun. But she watched me one time, uh, because you could, you know, you could watch different people. And uh, she said to me, she was like, I know why (laughs) you beat me. And I was like, why? And she said, you have passion when you speak. And I was like, and when I was on that stage, like I was going for it full of passion is the word I would use. And so... I think that really what you're called to do, you should be passionate about because passion is like, it's part of the drive. It's part of the um, thing that's propelling you to move and to go for it. And I believe that God puts passions inside every single one of us. And it's interesting as well. um, So what what I actually do, uh, right now is run a pro-life non and so what's interesting though is I wasn't super passionate about that when I was younger um, I mean okay so I should backtrack a little bit I grew up in a very very good Christian home, and as a result, I was super sheltered and didn't know, like, anything. So I had no idea what abortion was um, until I was 15 years old, and one time it just came up in conversation, or I watched a video, something, the word came up, and I didn't know what it meant. So I went and asked my mom, and she shared with me that, you know, it's the killing of a child in the womb. And so from that, I was just shocked. I shocked is the word I would use, I was shocked, I was horrified, I was really confused about the whole thing, like, how is this happening, especially growing up so blessed, and with such a beautiful life, to think that that's going on, and so, but what's interesting is, at that point, I didn't have a super strong passion for it, and in fact, I semi-resisted not I wouldn't quite use a word as strong as resisted but um I didn't fully want to do what I'm doing now when I was when I was when I found out about it and stuff I was like god there's got to be other people who could do that Um, and I even remember having conversations with my mum and being like mum I don't really want to go into anything political because politics is just dirty and there's just scandals and I don't want to be involved in all of that and I also had, to be honest, I had a bit of pride because I wanted to go and uh, make something of myself at university and achieve something big there. And so I was like, no, you know, I'm, I'm better than whatever, which is complete arrogance. Um, and so part of um, allowing God to... or Surrendering myself to God was just giving up my plans and, and what I thought, which fits perfectly into Proverbs 16. Um, but the awesome thing is that the greatest joy and everything has just come out of that and how I love what I do. I would not want to be doing anything else. And, um, and it's cool because I'm passionate about speaking and about firing people up which is very much what I do. And so, um, yeah, but passion definitely has to be there. And I think when you're seeking God for what you should do, uh, definitely think about what you're passionate about and also just take opportunities. If there's an opportunity to try something or to grow in an area, take it and see where that leads. Because I honestly think, what if I never did that public speaking competition? I don't know quite how things would look. Um, and so just go for things and be a risk taker and remember that it's it's not about you. So just surrender to God and He honestly takes you on the greatest adventure of your life. I never thought I'd be out in America, um, here at Karis Bible College and here for a second year. When I first came, I was like, I'm gonna do a year and I'm gonna go back. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's just amazing, but honestly, it's been the most incredible experience being here. So, yeah.
0: Wow. That's so good. You know, you bring up such good points, Grace, but you know, um, you talked about going to, um, being homeschooled and finishing and, and what brought you guys to Kyrus? I'm really kind of curious. I'm guessing, you know, you graduated, I'm guessing right before you came, is that correct? No. No? no. Okay. So (laughs) I can
1: share on that. (laughs) All right, go ahead. So what brought us to Karis? So I have a beautiful younger sister whose name is Shaloma. She's always been extremely adventurous and daring. And, um, from the age, from a very young age, she knew what God had called her to do, which always challenged me because I mean, and when I say very young age, you know, she's like 5 years old and she knows her life mission and i'm sitting there like 8 years old and i'm i'm thinking like okay cool and even when i was 12 and 13 it would really challenge me i was like god how come she like knows her life mission and i'm sitting here like not knowing what i'm supposed to do and anyway when she was about 9 years old so we were actually super blessed to grow up on andrew womack's teachings so I think my parents discovered him when I was about four or five years old. So from the earliest time I can remember, I was, you know, my mum was always playing him, like CDs and stuff. And I even remember, for anyone who remembers the time of tapes, uh, play him on tapes and stuff like that. But then as we got older, we used to tap into the Karis Bible College live streams. So the um, healing school and the worship. And Shaloma was just nine years old. And one day she's like, comes into all of us. And she's like, guys, I'm going to Karis Bible College when I'm older in Colorado. And I thought at the time, oh, good for you. You know, you're the one who's like going to go off and travel and do all this stuff. I'm going to stay here and pursue a degree in something. And um, so that was my initial reaction. And um, but then when I was like, 16, 17 years old, and as I was really just seeking God on, you know, what I was called to do, and as I felt like he was calling me into the cultural world, like, the political arena, um, and as I felt like, yeah, he was just changing things in my heart and stuff, I was like, okay, first of all, the one thing that really made me want to come was, I, I knew God. I grew up in a Christian home and I had a relationship with God, but I still felt like there was more. And in order to be able to fully just hand over my whole life and be like, okay, God, I'm doing your plan. 100%. I needed to know God in a deeper way. And I needed to, um, make sure my faith was really firmly rooted. And so for me, that was a big draw to come. I was like, okay, God, I, I'm going to give you this time because I need to 100% know you are who you say you are for me to just hand over my whole life to you. And the other thing was that I felt like it was the best place that I could come to prepare for what I was called to do. Um, so so when I was like 17, 18, I started talking about coming. Um, and then I finished school and the plan was to come straight f- from when I finished school. Um, And by that time, my parents felt like they should come as well. And they sat us down and they were like, look, we just feel like God's calling all of us to go. So we were like, okay, awesome. Which is a much bigger thing than just like sending me or Shaloma out there. Now like us as a whole family is moving out here. We sell our house, we close our business. Um, So it was quite an ordeal. Um, But... What actually happened, I was supposed to start first year, not last year, but the year before. That was the plan. Um, But due to the whole COVID craziness, um, us as British people were actually not allowed to enter the U.S. that year. So we physically could not come here. And so that actually was really gutting for me because I am a person who likes to get stuff done. And I was like, God, I want to get on with my life. Now I have to wait an entire year. What am I going to do for a year, especially when everything in the UK is locked down? So you can't really go out of your house or do much. And so at first I was really upset about that. Um, And... Yeah, but it ended up being the most incredible gap year ever because it was a time when I grew so much in God. I read a lot of different books um, and I also actually studied politics with a British university for a little bit during that year. It was just a year-long course. It was a remote course because no one was meeting in person. Um, But the course really opened my eyes to what a mess the world is in. Because none of my teachers, none of my lecturers uh, believed in God, had any kind of conservative values, really. Most of them were um, Marxists, very, very leftist, and they completely adopted the idea, most of them did, that you can't know truth. And in fact, I submitted when I submitted my first ever essay, I came to a very strong conclusion at the end, you know, saying, "Okay, this is the result, this is the truth," and my lecturer didn't like that at all. She was like, "You can't say that, you know, you're supposed to just question everything," which is a complete brainwashing. Um, so that really opened my eyes a lot to the mess that everything is in, um, and it was amazing how God did orchestrate that gap here, And I know that I would not have been able to receive from Karis as I have done without having that time. So yeah, that's the long answer. Of what wow. Was that's, that's
0: so good, you know, and you know, we hear all the time, you know, preparation time is not wasted time. Mm-hmm. And I'm here declaring that that was preparation time for you. And God was just yeah. laying the foundation for when you guys were going to come. And, you know, Grace, I just want to thank you. You know, you and your family have been such a blessing, not just to me, but to many people at Karis, and you guys are just wonderful, and, and you, you know, it, the love of God has always been present, you know, when when I see you. But if you would, um, talk about your relationship with God. I, I really want you to know, especially when you got to Karis' first year, you know, we're we're in school four hours a day, 20 hours a week, and we're just consumed with the knowledge of God we're hearing it so much you know it's hard to take it all in mm-hmm. but but what did that year do to you and how has that changed your life
1: okay um, I'm gonna be completely honest with this answer because I think that being honest and being vulnerable will help people when I first came to Karis when I first came to first year and I touched on you know I needed to know God in um, in a deeper way. And it's crazy to actually talk about this because this is so far from who I am now. Uh, But when I came to Karis, I was really scared of a lot of things. Um, Particularly, I was like terrified to die, which is awful because (laughs) I'm like, God, I'm supposed to be a Christian. And so like, I shouldn't be afraid of this. And even the airplane flight over, I flew with my family and I, like, gripped my sister's hand, like, the whole time. <laughs> and I was just terrified. And so one big thing that I wanted to get out of Karis first year was, Lord, I I want to be a completely fearless person. I want to completely trust you, put my life on the line for you. And um, so Karis first year completely transformed me with that and took me to levels where I could trust God in ways that I never um, would have been able to trust him and just showed me, I think the other thing that it really grew me in was, you know, as a leader, it's really important to be able to be decisive. Um, and I would struggle with decisiveness sometimes because I would be so scared of making the wrong choice, making the wrong decision. But something that God really taught me in first year was that he is backing me up all the time. And um, I'll just share this one little testimony. But um, the pro-life organization, the nonprofit which I run, last year uh, we put on a youth event at CFAN Church in the Springs. And it was called Chosen. And the heart behind it was to share with young people um, that they are chosen by God, that they have an identity in Christ, that their purpose, that they're loved. And so I just, I just went for this. Um, I had never organized an event before and I just had like some Kara students. We were just a team and we just went for it. We, uh, one member of the team designed flyers um, and then we just handed them out in malls to, get young people to come. And one of the things we advertised in the flyers was that we were offering a free taco bar. And uh, that was part of our draw to get them to come. The thing was, we didn't have that paid for when we were offering that. We were just like out in faith that it was going to be paid for. So it gets to about three or four days before the event itself. And it was amazing, because we had so many donations for so many other things. Um, We had a $200 cash giveaway that was fully covered. The church was letting us use all of their um, their venue for free. We had all the flyers and everything that was all covered. We had this one candy store, Patsy's Candies. They donated this big box of candy for the event. So we had lots of different things, but the tacos were like not getting paid for. And I was like, okay, God, uh, what are we doing about this? And I actually started to have lots of doubts thinking, what was I thinking doing this event? I've never done this before. Maybe God wasn't in it. Maybe this was my choice. What am I doing as a leader? And just all these thoughts. And it was amazing because three days before the event, I get this text from a friend who says, oh, my friend's dad heard about what you were doing and would like to help. Now, I don't know what that looks like in terms of help, but they said, give him a call. So I'm actually at Karis think it was after school finished or one of, or long break. And I phone him up and I say, hi. And I introduce myself and I said, you wanted to help me. He said, yes. How can I help financially? And I was like, well, <laughs> we need tacos for we were aiming to have 200 people come. And he said, yep. Consider it done. I'll have that all fully covered. He bought drinks and cookies as well. And he had the tacos all done by a restaurant and just delivered to us. It was incredible. But the biggest thing I took from that was God is backing me up. God is on my side and not to be afraid of stepping out, not to be afraid of taking risks, not to, if God's putting something on your heart and I'm saying this to people listening as well, if God's putting something on your heart, go for it. He's there right behind you, backing you up. He's not setting you up for failure. And so that just takes all the fear out of it. Um, so I would say what I've really grown in is just being fearless, um, And just having that confidence in God and knowing that, and this is a big revelation I also got through doing IAGs, was that it's not about me. It's not about my ability or lack of ability in areas. It's about God. And so therefore, there's no fear attached to things because I'm not going to be looking at myself now in the natural and being like, well, God, I can't do that because I don't have the ability for that. No, I'm now saying, okay, God asked me to do this. This is all on God. It's not about me. I'm just the vessel carrying it and being obedient. And then as you trust in the Lord, the result is joy and success. And yeah, so that's what I learned.
0: Well, that's really good, you know, and and in scripture it says, perfect love casts out all the fear. Mm -hmm. If you would, Grace, you know, share with the audience how you realized how much God loves you, and speak to the audience about that, how important that is to you.
1: Wow, that is so important. That is such a good question as well. Um, I would say one thing for me, uh, growing up, in a, and I grew up in an amazing Christian home, but I still attached a lot of my worth and value and in some ways love to my performance. And I always managed to perform like very well in school and with lots of different things that I did. I did lots of extracurricular activities and things and I managed to perform like for the most part really well. And so then I attached the love and the acceptance to that. And then I felt like if I'm in a position where I'm not going to perform well or I'm just if I just suck at something, then everyone in the room probably hates me because I'm I'm still attaching love and acceptance to performance. And <clears throat> I understood that you know God loves you no matter what you do or have done and stuff, but just the very value, and I even placed value on other people sometimes based on what they did or didn't do. And so the biggest thing to me has just been a complete freedom from that performance mentality and just understanding that God loves me for who I am. God loves grace. And God doesn't just love grace because that's become such a cliche in the Christian world, like, oh, God loves you. God likes grace. God likes you. God likes to be with you. God wants to be with you. And I just think more and more about And Jesus says this to me all the time. I go out hiking a lot and I pray in tongues a lot. And um, he's always reminding me of like, Grace, I gave up everything because I wanted you. He gave up his whole life to have us. That's how much he likes us. That's how much he wants us. And there's such a security in that love then, because love brings security, which then frees you from fear and and it brings safety. And, um, that's, that's been a big part of the revelation for me is realizing there is so much safety in his love because we look at the world and, and growing up, um, very sheltered, um, definitely made me more kind of, pure in heart and more uh, skeptical about things that I didn't feel safe in. And so, um, I just, I just, like, I would never walk into a bar or something like that just makes me feel really unsafe. (laughs) Um, but so but just with God, just realizing how safe he is and how much he loves us and that his love doesn't change according to if I'm doing a good job or not. And he's committed to me, just like a husband is committed to his wife and vice versa. They love is commitment. And it's a choice to be with that person to encourage that person, even on their bad days. And Love isn't just this mushy feeling that is aroused when someone is doing something that makes you feel that towards them. Love is this constant, faithful choice. And so that is that brings a lot of then peace and just rest in your soul because you know that God's never going to leave you. He just loves you constantly. And honestly, I would also say that I can't fully tell you everything that's changed in my mind in my heart it's just also been a process where I'm like wow I'm a different person now and just allowing God to do that and and letting God love you and realizing that he has the best for you and as you follow him I think you know a lot of the time when we're maybe disappointed or frustrated or feeling negative emotions, it's probably because we aren't following God fully. And so as you follow him, there is just so much peace and joy. And uh, and that's just evidence of the goodness of God. And that's another thing that God showed me. One time when I was in worship at Karis, I was just worshipping and... I was thinking back over my life and I don't have a radical testimony of like going off the rails and being radically saved and I felt like God was saying to me, he said, grace, you know, because sometimes you feel like in the Christian world, everyone's got this testimony and then you're this simple person who just never strayed and just stayed the path and it's like, where's my radical testimony And God was just showing me, like, that is a huge testimony that he kept me, that he protected me. And as I stood under the shelter of his wings, Psalm 91, as I abided in that secret place, he kept me and he sheltered me. And that's just such a testimony of his goodness.
0: And you're right, Grace. To me, there is no better testimony than you've walked with God your whole life. Really, that is the best testimony, but most people aren't there, Grace, but, you know, you've been blessed, like you said, with parents. And, Grace, I'm going to ask you this because, you know, your parents are here with you, their fellow second-year students, and how has that had an impact on your family that now you can share the love of God and everything that you guys are learning at the same time? How has that changed the dynamics of your family?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my parents, I've definitely seen them grow through Karis, Um, so it's definitely, you know, all of us are becoming more and more like Jesus. So our family then is becoming more peaceful and more like Jesus because all of us are growing in that. So, um, that's definitely grown that it's really cool to see my parents also realizing some passions and giftings that God's put in them um and and seeing that in terms of the dynamics of our family um I think one thing is it's sharpened every single one of our purposes and us knowing what we're called to do um it's been, it's been a cool experience having my parents out here. And people ask me that, like, oh, how, are you, how do you feel about having your parents in class with you and stuff? And I'm good with it. <laughs> I don't have anything to hide from them. It's not like I want to go and, like, do something that they're, like, I don't want them to be around watching me. And it's actually funny because I'm in the same IAG small group as both of my parents now. Um, And it's actually really, really fun getting to watch them speak. Um, Especially, I've enjoyed my dad. My dad used to be a teacher for a while. And um, before that, he was um, a business consultant. And so he has given, like, presentations his whole life. And so watching him speak is just really cool. Uh, And my mom, too. My mom's, like, a fireball when she speaks. Um, So it's... I feel like it's definitely brought me closer to my parents Um, seeing just I enjoy seeing them grow. And and I think they're really happy to be able to be out here with me and Shaloma and my little brother and and see Shaloma and I at Karis growing and to be able to physically be a part of that and see that. Um, Especially because, you know, I think once we all finish Karis, we're all going to go in our different directions, probably different parts of the world. And so it's a very special time to just have that together. Um, And I will also say I'm very thankful for my parents' wisdom being here. Um, Because I think if I had come out fully by myself, um, I may have made a couple of different decisions that um, wouldn't have been so wise and just, yeah, my parents always keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, and my mum, like, I can always talk to her about anything. And I really appreciate having her there. So even when she was back in the UK, I phoned her one time when I, I was over here. I'd come back sooner than she did for second year. And I phoned her one time and I wasn't fully aware because there's a seven hour time difference. And I phoned her at like one in the morning, <laughs> wanting her advice on something. But anyway... But, yeah, so um, it's been a great
0: experience. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. You know, when I was with your parents the first IEG session, mm-hmm. and I watched them develop and, and yeah. grow, by the time, you know, they were finished, they were much more accomplished speakers than when they first started. And, Grace, we're getting ready to go on our mission trip. We're both yes. going to be going to Alaska in, yes. in next week, matter of fact. And, you know, My question to you is, what are your expectations for that trip? Because, Grace, to me, expectation is everything. What you are expecting to happen basically is what's going to happen. So what are you thinking and what are your plans, what are your hopes for this trip?
1: I'll also just say one other thing, uh, which I want to just say quickly in response to your previous question about us all coming out here as a family and how that's changed our family dynamic. A One huge thing that coming out here as a family, you know, that's a much bigger thing to do than come out by by like me or Shaloma come out and uh, takes a lot more faith in God, especially financially and things like that. And uh, that is um, being a huge thing that's grown me a lot because I've just seen God be so faithful to us all. And so that has been huge. And I think it's grown all of us and made us all way more ready to trust God because we've just seen his faithfulness. In terms of Alaska, I'm so excited for that trip. Um, And it's crazy because I didn't want to go to Alaska originally, but uh, God, I was actually on a different trip at first, but God got me onto the Alaska trip and I'm so grateful and happy. Um, My expectations for the trip, I feel like, I'm going to come back really changed. Um, I think God's going to grow me in my love for other people um, a lot more, especially with some of the homeless ministry and things like that. Um, I've done a little bit of homeless ministry before. One Christmas day, my mum I wouldn't say made us, but I was a bit reluctant. (laughs) Uh, We gave up our Christmas day and ministered to the homeless and gave them... um, We made them, like, rolls and, like, gave out, like, uh, Andrew Womack's books, actually, and stuff. And I didn't fully enjoy the experience, I've got to be honest. Um, But it was great. And actually, out of that, one homeless lady got saved, which was so cool. And I had a really big heart for her. And also out of that, uh, another homeless lady got saved, actually. So that was really cool. Um, But that was a reason why I didn't want to go to the Alaska trip, because I didn't really want to minister to homeless people. Um which was for a few different reasons, partly just because I didn't enjoy it before. Um, But I feel like God is just going to really expand my love for people. So that's one thing. Um, Another thing that I really, really want to grow in on this trip is um, confidence. Um, A lot of people view me as a very confident person, which is true, I am confident in a lot of ways. But I feel like God's been speaking to me recently on a couple of things that he really wants to grow my confidence in a couple of areas. Not that I completely lack confidence in those areas, but he just wants to grow it. And confidence isn't about you. It's about God. So it's not becoming more. um, It's not having a greater belief in your own ability, but in God's ability through you. So, um, I think he's really going to grow my confidence. And then also I really just want to grow in leadership skills and just team skills and hopefully have a lot of opportunities to just learn. And I think that's going to come from what we're doing, but also from the amazing team we have and the leads that we have. They have a lot of wisdom, which I'm excited to glean, um, and Yeah, and God's given me opportunity to be able to head up some things with the youth in Alaska, which I'm excited about. Um, Youth ministry is something that's close to my heart um, because they are the next generation. And so it's so important that we minister to them. So I'm really excited about that and just how God will grow me in in being able to minister in that area and I think the last thing I would say that I'm expectant for is God growing me to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in moments when there's a moment that I could have an opportunity to give a word to someone that could just change their life being sensitive to hear his voice and to give that word and um, you know I'm very much, and actually, I wouldn't say I'm very much, I used to be very much the kind of person who likes to prepare everything down to the T, and has to have everything written out and planned out before I do anything, because then I feel like, okay, I'm going to be successful, because nothing can go wrong, I have the plan. Um, But God is also growing me in those times when, you know, there wasn't time to plan. You didn't expect this situation. And now you're in a situation when you have the opportunity to minister to someone. And so you want to be able to just hear God's voice in that moment and be able to minister something powerful. So I'm excited for impromptu moments like that. Um, and just growing in that. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's so good. And, and I believe that, uh, that's Good, You know, that's what Andrew teaches. Andrew teaches he never prepares messages anymore. And he just goes and prays and he believes the Spirit brings to him what the people in front of him need at that point in time. And I'm going to go with that. That's my philosophy. That's what I plan on doing. I think the more you allow the Holy Spirit to take charge, I believe the more successful you're going to be. Yes. Um, Grace, we're almost at an end. What I'd like for you to do is talk a little bit more about what it is that you do, and uh, just just share what's on your heart now, moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when I first came to Caris, uh, when I was in first year, around October time, I was asked if I would like to head up the Caris Students for Life group, which is a pro-life group of Caris students. And I said, yeah, I would love to do that. Um, Fast forward then, uh, we did the Chosen Youth event in March last year. um, And we did a few different things. We worked with Pregnancy Centre up in Woodland Park. But then come to, fast forward to last summer. And I really felt like God wanted us to really dream big about what he had and, and was pushing me to dream big and had a very specific direction that he wanted us to take with what we were doing because there's so many different things we could do. And I was very much the person who was like, oh, yeah, we'll totally get on board with that and that and that. If it's pro-life, we're going to do it. And God really uh, showed me that he had something very specific, a specific purpose in mind for me and for the group and the team. And part of that would also require us to raise a lot of funds, which then would require us to become a 501c3. So our own organization. And um, so and it was amazing, actually, because all summer I was seeking God about what that direction was. I knew there was a direction, but I didn't really know what it was. And God just orchestrated an amazing conversation with someone who really drew out there's that scripture in proverbs where it says a wise man draws out that purpose in your heart and he really drew out the purpose in my heart we had quite a conversation uh it was actually with the person my friend's dad who was the biggest donor to chosen um i had a conversation with him and he really drew out of my heart and what I felt was that God actually wanted us to minister to the church. Um, Over half uh, statistically of abortions that occur are women who are actively going to church like on a weekly basis and 70 to 80 percent of women who have abortions identify as Christian. So you know, before we should go into the world and try and change the world's mind and beliefs on this, we should be in the church because the church doesn't even believe the right stuff about this. And there's a scripture in Ephesians, it's Ephesians 1.23, which was just a scripture when I saw it, I was like, wow, oh my goodness. And it says... The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. So by implication, if you want to change the world, you have to change the church because the world is revolving around what the church is or isn't doing. So God just gave me a very clear focus that we need to awaken the church to its God-given call to do something about this issue of, of abortion, you know, to give people an idea of how big this issue is, over 60 million children have been killed from abortion in the US. And that is a big number. Uh, But yet it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. A lot of people don't really talk about it. And to give some comparison, everyone's heard about the Jewish Holocaust that happened under Hitler. And that was absolutely catastrophic and awful. What's interesting is that killed 6 million people. 10 times that amount of people have been killed from abortion. We have a gigantic Holocaust on our hands. And yet very little is being done about it. And part of that is in the name of, oh, we don't want to offend. We don't want to be political. And the thing is, it's not a political issue. It is a biblical issue. It's a life and death issue. It's a God issue. And even in Proverbs 16, it talks about fearing the Lord Uh, is to avoid evil. And Proverbs also says in another part that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And Greg Moore shared with us in class one day that that word hate actually means to make a personal enemy of. And evil means things that bring harm. Well, abortion harms and kills its victims. And we are to make that our personal enemy. So... The message that God has called me to share and has called um, our team to share is very much, you know, we have as a church, we have a duty to do something about this. So the organization that I run is called Life is for Everyone. It's actually an acronym for the word life. And our focus is very much on educating the church on this issue, because most people don't really know that much about it. Uh, Christians don't know that much about it, and then empowering people to do something to make a difference. And so we're actually this year we're planning several strategic conferences at different churches where we are going to have women share their personal testimonies. We're going to be sharing just some facts and statistics and just the true reality of what abortion is. And then we're also going to have workshops where people can actually start making a difference in their communities. And part of our focus is to encourage people to take care of where they are. You know, we get so overwhelmed. or We can get very overwhelmed with the national outlook of things because it's like, how can I change what's going on in Washington and everything? But you can take care of your community. You can change your community. And if every church took care of its community, America would be a different place. So that is what we want to accomplish, is to empower churches to really reach out to their communities. And part of that is also going to be accomplished by getting churches and pregnancy centers to work together. Pregnancy centers are like hidden gems in America. They far outnumber abortion clinics, but... 80% of people don't know that they exist. So most women who walk into an abortion clinic do not know that there's an alternative, that there's a pregnancy center where they can get counsel, they can get help, they can get medical help too. Um, They can even get financial help. There's even organizations, pro-life organizations out there that do fundraisers of like $25,000 to help women with bills and different things because finances can be a huge factor that makes a woman feel like abortion is her only option. And so we want to raise awareness of um, pregnancy centers as well. So that's very much our mission. Um, That's what I do, I suppose. Um, And it's just the most awesome thing to see. And even uh, I had a text from one lady who recently joined our team, And she is awesome. She faithfully sends out our newsletters, our email newsletters every week. And she shared with me, she said, you know, Grace, I just want you to know that being a part of this has just changed me so much and made me realize a passion that I didn't fully know was inside of me. But not only a passion, but made me realize how I could make a difference in this because she always felt like she wanted to do something about this issue, but never really Felt like she had an opportunity or didn't really know what she could do. And um, now she, she's always sharing on Facebook lots of different things, educational things, with her friends, her audience on Facebook. Um, and so it's just, it's so cool to just see that. That is what God wants every one of us to do, is use our influence to create disciples um, and and to fire people up for him, so...
0: Wow. Well, thank you for sharing and, you know, thank you for putting yourself out there and following what God has asked you to do. Grace, we've come to an end. The very last thing I'd like for you to do is just invite people to come into the kingdom, people who may not know Jesus. If you would, just lead us in a prayer. Yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. Well, this if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. He will bring you the greatest joy and uh, the greatest happiness but not only that, he brings you purpose. you know what is what is your life about if you don't without God? are you just here by some evolutionary accident and what is the purpose of? of life and of your life and of everything here. What is truth? What really matters? Uh, And these are all questions that you can only find true answers in God. And you can only find true love and true acceptance in God too, which is something that everyone craves for. And no other human can fulfill that for you. So if you want to know Jesus, if you want to give your life to him and let him just make you a new creation. Then um, let's pray together. So, Lord, we just we just give you this time and say this after me. If you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, say, "Dear Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for giving your life, for giving everything." for loving me. Thank you that right now I give my life over to you. I surrender myself to you. Fill me and make me a new creation. Thank you, Lord, that I am forgiven, that I am free, and that my identity is now found in you. Amen.
0: Well, thank you, Grace. That was wonderful. Thanks again for coming on. And friends, if any of you repeated that prayer that Grace just invited you, please reach out to me on my Facebook page, Bill Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. And if you have any specific questions, reach out to me on uh, Messenger. Thank you so much. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.